Hello and welcome to Misal. My name is Zahed and I'm your host. On this podcast, I talk candidly with the most innovative minds working towards building a better startup economy in Pakistan. In this 21st episode of the Misal podcast, I talk to Zarlisht Faisal. She is the co-founder and CEO of It's Preloved, an e-commerce platform for generally used apparel. During our conversation, we covered a variety of topics, but everything we talked about revolved around challenges and opportunities that come with running an e-commerce startup in Pakistan, such as payments, last mile delivery, etc. You will learn how to turn your passion into a sustainable business by doing things that don't scale until they do, and why it's important to never consider a sale complete until the order is delivered and accepted. Also, some amusing things customers say and do when returning purchased items or refusing delivery. Let's listen in. Oh, welcome, Zari, to the Misal Podcast. How are you? I'm good, Zahid. How are you doing? We had some technical difficulties, but we are here now. So Yes, yes. We finally made it. How are, how are things going? They're going pretty well, um, uh, given circumstances and everything that's going on. I actually do know a little bit about you, but audience might not know. Please give a little background about yourself and uh, what do you currently do at It's Preloved? I come from a background in e-commerce. I've been doing this for almost like the last seven, eight years. I started with a standalone website, which was by the name ZariFaisal.com, such a creative name that I thought of back then. Um, so had that, that used to do pretty well as well, actually, um, you know, was one of the winners of um, the Karandas Women's Entrepreneurship Challenge um, in 2018. So uh, did that for quite a while. And uh, Preloud actually came as a pivot out of that business. So this was around like 2019, um, September. Um, and we had run into like um, cash flow issues. And, you know, um, just give us a we weren't being able to procure a new product. Um, I'll talk about that um issue with the ecosystem, I guess, later on in our conversation. So at that time, I had a team, I had everyone trained and everything. And I had been collecting thrift, I mean, Pakistani, uh, you know, so like, I mean, I, I loved going to Sunday Bazaar and, you know, like finding all these things from these random markets and stuff. So coffee buddy collection made buddy these. So, and I had this idea for a long time. Basically, when Sunday Bazaar shut down in Karachi, this is years ago, I had turned to my dad and a couple of friends and I was like, you know, this is what needs to come online. Anyway, so sat on the idea for a while. And then I had all this stuff lying around, which was in closet. Mein tha, and I was like, I'm going to put this up online. Knew how to set up a Shopify website, took a few hours, set it up and um, promoted it on the Zari Faisal page at that time. And we had about like, you know, 50, 60,000 followers and stuff. And it started off from there and there's been no looking back. So, um, yeah, that's where it like it started from my closet. And since then, we've served over like 10,000 customers. Um, you know, we we de- delivered to like every part of Pakistan. And I think the thing that I'm probably most proud of is that we've changed the mindset towards secondhand retail over here. You know, um, those I remember when our first shipment this was um, after I sold from my closet. I don't remember exactly what number it was. So I took the money and I went to like one of these wholesale markets, you know, and there are all these Pathan Lala, then on warehouses and everything. And they're looking at me and they're like, what are you doing here? And I was like, I'm going to buy And they're like, single piece and I was like wholesale so he looked at me he's like okay here and he pointed me to like I think 
there were like hundreds of thousands of clothes just piled up and he was like go chanti karo i was like main kar lungi so when you know uh picked up a shipment from there and yeah from there it started rolling on and i remember i was going to a wedding that night set up everything for the launch ke 12 baje this collection is going to launch did a bit of promotion and then i went to the wedding but i had my phone with me my shopify store and everything and i logged in at 12 o'clock at night and within like 45 minutes everything was sold out now they like, cool you know um so um so yeah what i was saying was in the shuru mein kuch logo ko jab pahuncha they were like oh ye to used lag raha hai i was like ji it is pre loved you know we mention it on every item description all of it and everything but you know two years on the mindset has changed so much um especially like gen z adoption um you know so there are lots of like thrifters and there are a lot of thrift sellers um they're making content around it and stuff so it's been really cool to see the development of the entire sector actually so you said that you go and look for these items right from other stores so it doesn't happen where people reach out to you in like consignment kind of uh, arrangement where they sit, tell you like hey can you please sell our clothes does that not happen it happens a lot um so the like initially i think it was a passion project <laughs> it started off as with my love for thrifted product right like bubblegum pink doc martens this that he wo whatever um and and when we started you know uh, and we have a very active community on instagram so like every night at 11 o'clock there's a new drop on our website and stuff so people know 11 baje raat ko hamari website pe rush hota hai like they say um uh, but what's happened is that now a lot of people like we're getting dozens of messages daily ke can you sell our items as well oh i have you know um these jeans that someone got me they don't fit me i want to sell them online or i have like a whole collection of sort of like you know dresses so can you sell even wedding clothes oh i have these shaadi clothes you know but right now our problem is that we don't have the technology to do it um so it's part of the plans um uh, there are two three things that are part of the plans right ek to the online um Uh, so there are a couple of verticals that have come up one is the other online thrifters theek hai these are like smaller instagram accounts retro moon retro room clothing thrift pakistan you know and they're all basically they they followed our audience and built their own audiences i find it very cool i don't see it as competition i'm like this is growth right um so there's that vertical then there's a vertical of people just wanting to sell from their closet and to them i want to say zari ne apni cupboard se shuru kiya tha पच्चीस हजार वहां से इन्वेस्टमेंट मिली वो जाके रोल की लालाज मतलब आप कराची से लेके रिमोट लोकेशंस यू नो गिलगिल बल्तिसान नथिया गली हर जगह छोटी 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 दुकानें हैं लाइक आई वांट टू डिजिटाइज दिस एंटायर सॉर्ट ऑफ सेक्टर एंड ब्रिंग ऑल दीस गाइस ऑनलाइन सो वी आर हैविंग अ लॉट ऑफ दीस कन्वर्सेशंस द मार्केट लालाज आर रियली श्रूड एंड स्मार्ट सो दे गेट इट यू नो सो वी वर लाइंड अ कपल ऑफ ग्रोथ प्लान्स विद देम यू नो पार्टनरशिप्स एंड स्टफ सो वी विल बी डूइंग वर्किंग ऑन दैट इन द नेक्स्ट वन और टू मंथ्स सो या पीपल वांट टू सेल फ्रॉम देयर क्लोजेट आल्सो पीपल अदर थ्रिफ्टर्स वांट टू वर्क विद अस एज़ वेल एंड देन द मार्केट लालाज वांट टू कम ऑनलाइन क्योंकि सबकी मार्केट इस वक्त छोटी हो गई ना राइट नाउ दे आर सिटिंग ऑफलाइन व्हाट हैपेंस व्हेन दे कम ऑनलाइन सडनली देयर मार्केट इज अक्रॉस पाकिस्तान 
they don't have the technical expertise on how to do it. So, you know, just sort of um, working on extremely low cost mechanisms to be able to help onboard them come online. So, uh, but, you know, to answer your question, the sell from your closet thing, right now we have a technology limitation. Um, if I could, I would use Shopify Marketplace, but there are limitations hai that you need um, both platform and sellers to have Stripe Connect. And we don't have that in Pakistan. So if we take Stripe, you know, if we register overseas, how do we get it for like hundreds of sellers, right? The way I see it is uh, you can either directly connect the sellers to the buyers, uh, whereby you would just have to have Stripe, for example, for them to collect payments or for you to basically become this middle person where you get the clothes uh, shipped to you and then you ship it to buyers. But then again, that means like warehousing and all that stuff. So it's either way, it's a challenge, right? Right. So when I first uh, saw the video that you posted uh, on Twitter, uh, YC application video, it's a very great, I mean, it's, it's a really good video. Uh, it kind of gives you like kind of overview of everything. But one thing that I felt was missing in that video was the technology part, because um, I was thinking like maybe, uh, you know, YC might have wanted you to talk more about the technology, how you would build something, right? Because uh, for the most part, whatever you're talking about right now, you will have to build it from scratch, right? And that that's a huge undertaking. And I guess YC would have helped uh, in that sense because of the tech talent, right? So is that still the plan now that you won't be going to YC or are you approaching other accelerators or have you tried raising funding from Pakistan-focused VCs? We've only just, uh, okay, number one, the plan is to build that platform, right? Look, Zahid, I've been that small seller, okay? And I... Coming from that kind of experience, like we know what the issues in the market are as well, right? So I was talking to Atif Awan as well, actually. Um, and, you know, I was telling him like the platform that we want to build. Look, I mean, building a marketplace is um, not a novel idea anymore, right? But we want to solve issues for the smaller sellers, plus buyers as well. Um, you know, and there are lots of like, you know, whether it comes to fraud detection for like cash on delivery orders as well, because this is a repeat problem that a lot of small sellers are having, especially like I've been having a lot of conversations with smaller businesses and stuff and, you know, return orders. So there needs to be a mechanism, data sharing mechanism where we are crowdsourcing the data to know that, okay, there are some repeat offenders. So maybe don't like we will flag it for you. Then you decide whether you want to send it to this person or not. Right. So the plan is to build the platform. Um, I have a benchmark platform in mind. Um, for me, it's uh, I don't know if you've heard of Depop or not. Um, that's the sort of, you know, platform um, that we want to build. And I think that now, you know, the building blocks are already there. So it's not like you have to build everything like completely coded from scratch, right? We've had multiple conversations um, with, uh, you know, sort of uh, tech development teams. Um, obviously, there's always that, um, there's that question that, well, you know, do you want to outsource this or not? But like, I think the people that we've had conversations with, we've had conversations from the perspective that, we want to do it as partners. So you need to have more skin in the game so that we build this together. It can't just be like a one-time gig and, you know, build karke because with these things, it's a constant work in progress, right? Products, um, tech products, you keep sort of like improving on them, optimizing them and everything. So all that is there, but currently as a bootstrap company, we don't have the funds to be able to build that on our own. Um, and, um, 
so yes, we I, I, the plan is not to apply to any more <laughs> accelerators. Um, but yes, we started conversations. Um, uh, the advice that we've gotten at this point is uh, to possibly maybe speak to more angel investors, even though this is a venture potential business. But obviously, you know, to sort of see that product market fit, that validation and everything, maybe start a little smaller um, and then go towards sort of, I mean, I have no doubts about the scalability of this, right? I mean, you start from like, you know, zero uh, and a hall in your closet and you go to 10,000 orders, like I think, and, and then, you know, inspiring like thousands of people to come on board as sellers. Plus, it's one of the oldest industries in Pakistan. It's been there since like 50s, 60s or whatever. So, and, and with the inflationary sort of environment, you know, everyone wants a platform where they have access to good products which are affordable. Um, and number two, an avenue where they can earn sitting from home as well. So it solves those two problems also, right? But yeah, the technology piece is something that uh, we'll, uh, we do need the funds for it. So you touched on this a little bit uh, about Shopify and payments. How are the payments uh, being done by you right now? Like, I know it's a big challenge in Pakistan. Like, how do you deal with payments, uh, orders that get delivered and then they're returned for whatever reason? Or the customer says, you know what, I've changed my mind or something else happens. Like, how do you deal with that? I think one of the things that's happened is that over the past two years, we built enough trust um, that we've actually managed to convert almost 40% of the business into advanced payments. Um, we incentivize it as well. Um, so we give like a 10% discount on um, if you're paying online rather than choosing cash on delivery. Um, and people actually exercise the option. They use it. Um, and um, uh, what we did, dude, we went manual. You know, I was like, hey, we are not going to wait for integrations, this, that, Evo, bank. I've had a history, like, I'm at war with a lot of banks in Pakistan. But like, so I was like, you know, can we wait for the KYC, this, that, Evo? You're losing opportunities, right? So we're like, it's cool. Let's go manual. You can add manual uh, payment mechanisms um, in uh, Shopify. So one payment mechanism that we added was in IBFT. The other ones that we've added are um, wallets and people use them. Um, so 40% almost have advanced payments. Because of lack of trust in the ecosystem, online shopping, bad experiences, you know, all of those things, cash and delivery is still the primary mechanism used across the industry, right? And Zahir, it can really take a toll on your mental health sometimes because, you know, you're so excited. You're like, I've sent out all these orders. You know, these are done or whatever. And then, you know, those returns. But it's not always um, a customer issue as well. There is a last mile problem. Um, you know, there is there is a problem in the last mile attempts that are happening as well, right? So now a lot of the cash on delivery companies like on their dashboard, um, they have a section which is marked as returns. So you can actually intercept the parcels. Okay, okay agar, you know, they try to attempt a delivery to Zahid or deliver, dashboard So then we can reach out and be like, well, you know, we sent you the parcel. It hasn't been delivered to you as well. This is what the delivery company is saying. Can you let us know? Um, so a lot of times people actually respond and they'll accept the parcel. But so you know those issues are there and like normally our 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 um 
uh, I would I, I turn an undelivered parcel. They hover around like you know six percent or so, and we sort of like work that into the costing and stuff as well. Um, but since Eid, uh, since the Eid holidays, because I think a lot of the delivery companies were overstretched and bandwidthed, who who climbed here away. So it's a tough problem to deal with, you know. Plus, even like the manual work of you know calling the customers parcel, it it takes up a lot of your team's energy. Um, but it, it's just how it is. So um, this is a last night. Also, I was talking to one of the smaller thrift sellers, um, and she was like, "You know, um, I'm just done with like people just ordering and returning parcels, and they're coming back to me, and we're incurring sort of like two way delivery charge. It's a huge detriment to small businesses, right? So these are the problems I want to solve with that platform that we build as well. I do think that there needs to be a flagging and." Uh, fraud detection mechanism for cash orders as well. So, you know. My experience, of course, with returns and uh, e-commerce is very different than yours. Uh, so these days, even in the U.S. now, uh, there are certain stores that have this thing where you can't return a certain amount of products or if you have to return something, you have to ship it to them and you cannot go back to the store and return it, which used to happen. Because what people do here is, I mean, I know this is not the problem in Pakistan and I, I don't see it happening at any time soon also people order like five or six different things they try it at home they don't like it doesn't fit well they send it back it's all free right the the seller pays for it so it's you know they don't care but now sellers have started to charge so there are different kind of problems depending on where you are what is the weirdest thing that you have heard like when you have tried to deliver an order and someone says like you know we didn't order it like what is it like this was a fraud or you, know, you said someone says they're traveling well actually this is not from pre-love is any specific website here we got a seventy thousand rupee order and i was like oh, so excited and you know all of that or whatever and then we reached out to the customer and she was like, this is not me. Like, because obviously we weren't going to send out a 70,000 rupee order without sort of like verification and stuff. Right. And then um, it was just someone using her data to place that order online. You know, we intercepted and we verified that that was a weird thing that happened. But otherwise, the I was traveling excuse is like the most common one. And I'm like, dude, you ordered like day before yesterday. How have you left the country? And like, you know, uh, what passport do you have? Like, I really want to know that, you know. Uh, so, and then, um, I don't, yeah, um, my mother didn't allow me to accept it. That's another one. Uh, I was like, okay. You know, okay, uh, my mom did. So, I mean, you get all kinds of sort of like excuses. Oh, and once we had, so in Karachi, we taken certain measures to mitigate our own risk like because we're based in Karachi Karachi key deliveries we do ourselves um, so we have our own riders and stuff that means instant cash flow right orders go out in the morning by the evening the money is in our wallet and stuff and we pay the rider quite well above anything that you know uh, other deliveries so it works for us once some lady didn't like her products so she got him caught by her guards and then I was in some session and my team is calling me frantically ki, oh, you know wo, uh, rider ko, kisi lady ki guards ne li and they're not letting him go and stuff and it was so yeah uh, interesting things happen sometimes so so you're t- are you telling me that every single order that you receive right now you manually call and you verify the sale can't do it Zahid my team does not have that kind of bandwidth um, we send confirmation emails 
um you know tracking numbers and all of that like it, at at one point we were doing the manual calls but it is it's exhausting for our team um you know we are a small team still and you know we have a lot of other things that we can sort of focus on so i i stopped that um we were like theek hai thoda sa hum wo you know risk le lenge but we sent confirmation emails i added sms confirmations as well uh but yeah we're not doing the calls anymore Before you started doing what you're doing right now, I'm sure you had certain assumptions, right? Like you were like, you know what, order will come. We will take the details down. We'll ship it. This is how it's going to work. What is it that you found out once you started doing this? That okay, this is not how it works, or this is a challenge, and this is how we need to tackle it. What was that one thing that you found out after you started? Don't be happy just about sales on the dashboard because till that parcel doesn't get delivered and isn't in the customer's hands. that sale is not realized um so last mile is everything um you know and it took me a long time to sort of come to terms with that because up, like you know you're happy on your end you're like okay i did this well today and everything but you know that that, that realization that um we operate in a different market um and uh, you know it's easier to drive the sales than it is to get that parcel to the customer um so it took a, and and by the way it's a challenge that i still struggle with in terms of mentally cam- coming to terms with it because i'm like why why is it like this why hasn't it been fixed in all of these years you know why is no one but i mean you know there are um Uh, delivery companies, I think, working to solve that problem now. Um, so cash flow. I, I was I was reading um, this thread on Twitter about like Amazon, right? And uh, how the mindset over there was that free cash flow was probably a bigger sort of success metric for them than even profitability was. Because the thing is, when you have cash flow, you can spend in growth, and you can spend in sort of you know. expanding the business right but if you are struggling with it and i've had like there there's been a years long battle to come to the point where we are even in terms of the agreements that we have with the cod companies that we want our payments within 24 hours i've been able to negotiate that now but like a couple of years ago you're talking 2 to 3 weeks you know um so i th- i think this was probably the single most i i I don't find marketing to be an issue. I don't find driving hype to be an issue. I don't find educating customers to be an issue. But this I find to be a whole problem because the control is actually not in your hands once it leaves your warehouse. When you say when you talk about last mile, do do you do you have some sort of like a money back guarantee or anything or like are people allowed to return products or is it sales are final and it's done deal? No, no, we allow returns. Um, so it's really interesting uh, the phenomena of like how thrift stores have come up in Pakistan. We are probably because of our scale, you know, we offer cash on delivery. A lot of the small sellers don't even offer cash on delivery. and they don't do returns okay our thing is if a product is damaged return no questions asked we will send you you know another replacement product or we'll do a refund no issues we've integrated um finja um into the business so doing return payments is super easy there's no manual stuff you know koi jaake wallet fill nahi kar raha yani ki it's all like you know quite automated um again something that i want to build into the future platform right so it's easy for anyone to enable returns and return payments and stuff um 
And then sometimes we get like, you know, exchange requests on like sizing issues because there's always one of each and they're all from like different brands and stuff. So usme thoda sa problem aata hai, but because every item is measured, um, we've clearly stated that check the measurement before you order. Even then, if there is a size issue, we will return, but you have to pay the two-way delivery charge for their um, uh, return. So it acts as a deterrent. You know, it's not like a, you know everyone will order and then just keep returning and stuff. So that, that's something that we built in as a deterrent. Yeah, because uh, I mean, I was just thinking this, like you know, uh, the whole process of like you know shipping clothes. Uh, of course, mostly, I mean, everything that you have mostly is going to be like issues with like size, right? Like size or bad fit. and that creates another hurdle for you so it's like you have one challenge after another challenge so it's not like you know a straight path where like you ship something and you know it's something that people will consume and they'll never return it it's something that will there always be this uncertainty around like okay someone can come back and say hey it doesn't fit me but like that return that return challenge i think is there anywhere in the world right like you mentioned ki a lot of people in the us they order four five things they return like you know three out of five and i've i've actually seen like for example there are some bloggers i follow internationally um you know who are in singapore and stuff and they have ordered from like places like asos and um you know and like on their stories they'll be like okay i ordered these five things but yeah i don't like three of these so i'm just going to return them so i think that return thing is a challenge anywhere in the world um you know because of consumer laws and you know things like that as well but हमें लाइक साइजिंग इशू पे इतना वो लाइक वी डोंट गेट सच अ बिग वॉल्यूम बिकॉज वी गिव अ लॉर ऑफ लाइक मेजरमेंट्स एंड डिटेल एंड अगेन दिस इज लाइक सॉर्ट ऑफ लाइक फॉलोइंग एन इंटरनेशनल प्रैक्टिस ऑफ हाउ थ्रिप स्टोर्स डू देयर इन्वेंट्री अपलोड्स राइट लाइक एवरीथिंग इज मेजर्ड सो जस्ट पिक्ड अप द सेम मॉडल एंड अप्लाइड इट ओवर हियर different markets have different challenges uh so a follow up question like i know you mentioned like you had a website initially you already had kind of an audience or people followed you uh is instagram right now your only channel of like what is it called uh organic marketing is that the only channel you're using or are there like facebook ads that you use or other source of marketing that you might be using um we we do run facebook ads um i have quite like detailed expertise in it actually so um we run ads we run like retargeting campaigns but super super minuscule amounts you know um but we get like a really good um, uh return on them like it surprises people the kind of return we get on you know the ads that we're running but again um i will say that there's nothing more powerful than our instagram community for us right now um people are tuned in they know 11 o'clock every night is a you know new um update of like fresh products that go on the website and stuff so um and eventually what we wanted to do is we wanted to be people know that every minute there's something new coming on the website that's how deep up is that's how thread up is that's how poshmark is that literally by the and and there's a fomo factor as well right mujhe daant padti i get told off sometimes by customers we have like launches at 11 o'clock every night and we do a pre hype to the launch right these are the items that are going to be dropping tonight and then like i get told by people you're fake you're lying that product is not there i'm like dude there were hundreds of people <laughs> lined up to buy it it's sold there was only one of it i can't do anything so it's quite funny 
I mean, you mentioned uh, like, you know, you have team of writers, especially in Karachi, like delivering products. Uh, how big is your team? Like, you know, people who work with you, how I, I know, like, you know, the co-founder, I mean, you have a co-founder or are, you have like people with you that are part of your family. Uh, so tell me a little bit more about that. Like what, uh, who are the co-founders and how big is your team? Our team right now is about 11 people. So not such a massive team. Um, uh, there are one in-house writer and um, uh, very smart man. So, you know, like, you know, the addresses in Karachi and stuff like super, like friction with the delivery. Like when they're in his hands, I'm like, Zen. I'm like, I know this is going to get delivered. Um, and uh, my co-founders are my sister and my brother-in-law. Um, again, like my sister and I like grew up thrifting, right? So it's something that we are super passionate about and we understand the business really well. And like I'm the ideas person, I'm the strategy person. I'm like, okay, yeah, yeah, karna hai. But when it comes to execution, like she's the boss. Like, uh, you know, like everyone needs method to their madness, right? So uh, she brings structure to, you know, my sort of like ideas, yeah, karna hai, yeah, karna hai, yeah, karna hai. And then my brother-in-law, like great at relationships, uh, building vendor relations, uh, supply chain, um, uh, you know, logistics and finance. So it works well together. I actually had another co-founder. Um, I don't know if you know Rafiq Malik or not. He's a COO at Baikia. He works with Muneeb Meyer. Uh, so um, Rafiq and I used to work together. And then like a couple of months ago, you know, we started having conversations with like VCs and, you know, investors. And the problem that kept coming up was everyone was like, okay, well, we see the potential in the business, but what's going to happen Um you know, post-funding, are you going to leave by Kia or not? Like, you know, and I think that was too much of an ask, obviously, because, you know, there's a vested stake over there as well. So we had an amicable split. Um, so, you know, that's the history of like the sort of like the founders of the team. It's a good transition question. So you basically were doing uh, It's Pre-Loved part-time. Uh, and I think you had to take the leadership role at Patari. And then you decided like to quit Patari and then you came towards It's Pre-Loved full-time. So how was that decision? Like what uh, was the driving factor in that decision, like leaving Patari and uh, doing It's Pre-Loved full-time? You know, to be honest, I love both the businesses a lot. Um, I was not a founding team member at Patari though, right? Patari, you know, uh, it had like its own complete team or, you know, whatever issues happened and stuff. Um, but I was asked to come on the board, um, you know, in I think 2017, 2018. And then when they put out like um, a call for the CEO application, I was like, okay, I'm also going to apply. Um, those interviews were not easy, by the way, like they were quite tough. Um, and, uh, um, uh, you know, Rabi, Lenomar and Fifi, these guys interviewed me and, uh um, so it, it was something that I wanted to take on. Pre-love had just started, like eight mahina bini. It hadn't even been a month, I think, right? So at that point, I didn't know where it was going to go, quite honestly. Um, so I took on uh, the role at Patari, probably one of the most challenging things I've done in my life. Um, it's really hard to fix a company that's sort of been down and out for like two plus years, you know, with the deprecation of the tech of the platform, all that, but... I think we did a really good job. Um, and, um, you know, a, a year and a half in, it came to, well, you know, pre-love was growing exponentially at that point. Patari means stagnation. T, uh, Patari needed a lot more funds. I mean, you can just compare with 
you know, the kind of money that Spotify is plugging in right now, right? Into, um, I don't know if you've noticed the ad campaigns, um, you know, the buildings being wrapped and stuff. So, but Ari, I, by the way, I still think the product's DNA is right. Uh, we've uh, introduced monetization on the platforms, both for freemium, both for subscriptions. So all the things are aligned for it. Um, I still believe in the potential of that platform, but I just love free love more. So um, it was just that decision for me. Who is leading Patari right now? Uh, there's no CEO at Patari at the moment, okay. but uh, like me, uh, Rabil, I mean, everyone sort of keeps an eye. The team is still there. Um, there's a COO in place, um, but uh, um, it, it's amazing. You know, like even with like, even now, you know, Patari's uh, traffic dropped significantly because obviously it hasn't had the marketing muscle, you know, for the last like year, year and a half and stuff. But the, you know, some of the things that we introduced, we, we built in sort of like ad placements on the platform and all of those things. And it's still because of its brand value, it gets a lot of brand partnerships. It still has revenue coming in. Some of the top artists in Pakistan still reach out and they're like, you know, put our music on Patari and stuff. So I, I love that about it and I wish the company really well and still working on certain things behind the scenes for them and trying to push for its um, growth. So uh, hopefully it happens and we'll let you guys know soon. Yeah, I mean, Patari was used to be like, I was very excited when it first came out. Uh, I was like a cheerleader for it uh, and uh, I was just uh, how should I say this? Uh, excited because of the branding at the time. It was like unheard of the way they branded it, uh, even at the time, uh, and the, how they launched it and everything was just amazing. Uh, it was kind of sad to see the way it like turned out to be things like, you know, slowed down with Patari and like, you know, Spotify came into the mix and it, I'm pretty sure it had some effect on Patari. And so, yeah, so it's like, I, I really hope uh, that product, you know, it stays uh, because the brand value is there. It, the branding the brand is there. Value and- there. And see, Zahir, the thing is, I'll tell you something. Um, there is an urban audience that, you know, um, Jo Patari Ki or Spotify both have, right? But I truly believe that for an entertainment platform to gain that kind of scale in Pakistan, you need to go beyond just, um, uh, you know, uh, the urban audience. I mean, you've got, you've got uh, uh, people, you've got over 100 million smartphones in Pakistan now, right? I go to the market, every shopkeeper has a smartphone in his hand. Like even at my work, like even, you know, my guard at work or, you know, the driver, like sabke paas smartphone. You need a platform like Patari to be able, like to be something that they can identify with as well. So I see growth in regional music. Um, there's so many areas, but in order to do that, a lot of funds are needed, you know? So that's what it is. Before I let you go, um, I, I want to know, if, like, what is your currently, like, what is your North Star metric? How would you define, like, success in the near term? For me, I think success in the near term would be to be able to digitize a chunk of the offline um, uh, thrift market in Pakistan, right? So from Karachi Lighthouse to uh, Rahor Railway Station to, you know, and, and basically, you know, the way that Kareem trained captains in Pakistan to, you know, be able to read maps and all that, we want to be able to enable all the thrift sellers and any of these small retailers to be able to come and sell online. I, I truly believe that this market has export potential as well. I don't know if you're aware, export processing zone in Karachi, like, 
the the thrift business is actually one of the biggest things that the export processing zone does. Pakistan exports uh, secondhand clothing to different parts of the world, from Europe to um, uh, you know South America, everywhere. So I think that. If I'm able to enable people to do that direct to consumer from Pakistan to consumers in the West, that will be my North Star. Giving people the potential to earn in dollars. Thank you for being on the Misal podcast. It was a pleasure talking to you. And Zahir, great talking to you as well. Thanks for listening to the Misal podcast. I hope you enjoyed the podcast and will thank me by writing a review or sharing it on social media. Make sure you follow and subscribe so you don't miss the next episode. Thanks again. See you soon.